Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Good morning, fellow captains of industry. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> All sorts of Dharma friends crawling out of the woodwork to come watch the dancing monkey. <laughs> So I'd like to begin with a story. The other day I was walking down First Avenue. All of a sudden I hear, Mukan? Mukan! And an individual approaches me, who I know. So we exchange pleasantries. Oh, I'm back in the city now. It's good to be here. Got a new job. Things are going great. It's good to see you. I never see anybody I know on the street. Yada, yada, yada. We part ways. And it took me 15 blocks to remember who this dude was. (laughs) Come to realize that in the winter of 2020, we lived together, just the two of us, at Taibasatsu Zendo for a month. (laughs) I taught him how to sit zazen, how to play the han, play the daisho, mokugyo, everything. And then I drove him to the bus stop, and then COVID happened. So good job, brain. Just a fantastic work. Not proud to admit it. I knew his face. I knew I knew this person. But I didn't know how, and I couldn't ask him, you know. It was too risky. So, like anybody, I'm a fallible human being. The mind is fallible. And it's that that I want to talk about this morning. Now, I don't have to tell anybody here that... From time to time, we're going to screw up a little bit. It's probably why most of us came to this practice in the first place, at least part of the reason. Uh, We're aware of the fact that we're constantly being confronted by at least what we perceive as our limitations or deficiencies. Moments where we fail to measure up to the imagined self that we hold in our minds, that we're always trying to measure up to. So we know this very well. We're constantly confronted by this dissonance between our ideas of who we are and our experience of actual reality. And I think that's a really good thing. I think that as we do our practice, uh, one thing that we have to watch out for is the way that we tell ourselves that we are somehow better than we used to be, that we are gaining something compared to where we used to be, compared to who we used to be or where we used to be, what we think we used to be, that we are somehow in a different place as a result of doing this practice. It's a very easy trap to fall into. And so these moments of dissonance where we mess up, We make mistakes are some of the most fertile places in our lives for real practice because they're the the moments that make it most apparent that identifying with that separated individuality, that mental self, identifying with that person is futile because it can't ever be captured. We can never ultimately grab a hold of that person and fully become that person all the time. It's always in motion. So the moments where we fall flat on our face, 
or even the moments where we just meet something in ourselves that we experience as a limitation, whether it's a mental limitation, something emotional, something physical. I mean, we all have these experiences and these things that we perceive as a limitation. Just confronting them are the moments where we're most real, I think. Now, when you really look at it, being a human being is really a ridiculous thing. When you really take a bird's eye view of the human experience, it's really, really stupid. Like that moment of confrontation with that person, I won't use his name, though I could. You know, there is awkwardness. I'm wondering, okay, do I say it? Do I not say it? Emotions come into play. I'm trying to hold this guy at arm's length so that I don't risk hurting his feelings or making anything worse. Just this whole weird dance based on the social structure that we create for ourselves. And it's so weird to me the way that as human beings, we do all these things, we play all these games to keep up appearances for one another and for ourselves. So it's just one snippet of the grand human experience that, again, we're all familiar with being human beings ourselves. But it's all, to me, really weird, kind of stupid, really just the whole human comedy, just 100% dumb as hell. And I think it's really important that we look into that and try to step into that as much as we can in the course of living our lives. This dumbness, this absurdity is a fundamental fact of our existence. And it's also a feature. It's a tool, I think. Because as we know, none of us are immune from making mistakes from time to time, having a lapse of memory or, you know, ringing the bell incorrectly or something, whatever it happens to be. None of us are immune for that. We, for we, we all have those moments in our lives. And so it seems to me that our human organism has this innate capacity to always point us toward our true authentic nature just in those moments where we fail to measure up to that idealized self. Because we're out here dwelling in dualism and we're going to confront those moments. We can't help but notice them. And it's in that noticing that our delusive tendencies in and of themselves keep us responsible for the karma that we create. They keep us in check, keep us attuned to our interconnection as human beings where the mask falls off and all of a sudden we're just out here screwing up together. And that's a really beautiful thing. So we can allow those moments to lead us toward humility and good humor and lessons that we can take with us to become, well, I won't say a better human being, but perhaps in some ways maybe a more functional human being. And that is karma noticing, confronting, reckoning with all the ways that we enact our apparent imperfection, coming to understand our karmic footprint, the way that our actions produce effects for others as well as for ourselves and for our environment. Just in noticing that and beginning to come to, beginning to, come to terms with it, we're stepping into Shumyu Suzuki's paradox. You're perfect just the way you are, and you could use a little improvement. <laughs> Which is great, right? The trick is, I think, to find the middle way, holding both sides of that equation in balance, 
rather than falling to one side or the other, getting caught up in either or. So when I say that the human experience, being a human being, is dumb, is absurd, I'm not just talking about our bizarre social structure, the norms that we create, our egregious self-centeredness that we're saddled with, although we could talk about those things. What I'm really talking about are the fictions that we make up for ourselves, the little narratives, the lies that we take on and use as cover for things that are deeper, things that we're not ready really to deal with. And this is something that's really subtle and I think sometimes very difficult to notice. Um, one example for me, personally, is that the longer I do this practice, or rather as I've done this practice continuously, I found greater difficulty actually sitting down to read a book. Now, I still do it with great frequency, but to me, I tend to feel this uh, resistance to where I can find the energy to just be in samadhi and clean my room and do this, that, and the other thing, and it feels great. The energy is just popping off. And so to, to move out of that space, to concentrate on something else, I tend to feel a sort of deviation from the moment. That's, what, that's how I tend to experience it, at least from time to time. A change in the flow of energy, redirection of the attention, is effort. And that's kind of a buzzkill for me, to step into this other state of concentration, or at least what presents itself to me as an other state of concentration. And it's something I think a lot of us have experienced in Zazen. I don't want to do kinhin. I want to sit right here in my samadhi and feel good. Right? You ever done session? There's at least one time every session. Guaranteed. You don't really want to get up. You just want to stay in that feeling, feeling pretty cool, pretty aware. Continuously f wanting to feel that goodness, that energy, and not risk exposing ourselves to a shift in circumstances that might cause us to experience mild discomfort. So that's no samadhi, really. It's just a barrier that I set up for myself and not wanting to take the effort to turn my attention away from this and towards another thing. And I think that it's similar with the movements of our separated individualities. And I'll give an example. Dense, you are going to have to perform during session. So you get to go through the whole song and dance of being new officers for your first time at session. Well, you know you're gonna be scrutinized and you know you're gonna screw up and you know that everybody's going to see and Shigan Roshi is going to correct you in public and then everyone will know how terrible you are. <laughs> That's how it feels, right? I hope not, but probably. Judging <laughs> <laughs> from my own experience, oh yeah. <clears throat> or you get the other fun half of it is when you really learn the roles well and then you know it like the back of your hand, you know where all the bells go, you know exactly what the pace of the chant should be. And people start praising you. They start calling you out by name and using you as an example. That's another fun one. You know, this mental seesaw is always fun even when it's not. And it's really easy, and by the way, I should mention, self-recrimination is itself, it, it kind of feels good, doesn't it? It feels like there's something to hold on to, even if it 
isn't exactly what you want. There's a sense of stability there. So constantly playing this game of going back and forth and not wanting to embrace our mistakes and using our practice to cover over the fact that we're not going all the way in. Now, I've done all the officer roles many times. I've been doing this practice for a long time. So I know I've been through the whole song and dance and I continue to do it all the time. The other day being one example of it. And in and of itself, I think that's okay. All this is in our nature to kind of jump back and forth from one idea of ourselves to another. It's the mind's nature to jump around and cause a ruckus. And we want to buy into that. And that's why we practice, because we understand on some level, some gut level, that we just can't. And it's also that awareness is what enables us to practice. That in itself, that realization of what causes us to suffer is what draws us in, draws us here. And so we have this natural ability, this natural inclination to see that and check in and want to see what's really going on, really investigate that. And with the right karmic circumstances, gradually we, we make the move. We start to sit zazen. We come here. We start looking at that. We don't turn away. We embrace those things. And so by not buying into the movements of our mind as the essential fact, not looking to say, I am this. I'm a 7 out of 10 on the cool meter. Not buying into it, but working with that. Extending out your hand, my hand, and treating that as a dancing partner. Going all the way into it and cutting through that, through our practice, it becomes possible to see and live in a different way. In a way that is real and material and full of goodness because it doesn't exclude anything. This is the point. Recognizing that the things where, the moments where we don't measure up that's where we're most real, warts and all, this is who we are. And that's a beautiful and extraordinary moment of connection. Every single one of us is in that very same boat. I'm in that same boat. And so it's all perfectly imperfect. Those awkward moments, those weird moments are part and parcel with who we are as human beings, what it is to be a human being. And it couldn't be any other way. I wouldn't want it to be any other way. There's a quote by Samuel Beckett that I'm sure just about all of you have heard. Ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. This line comes from a short piece called Worstward Ho, which is one of the last things that Beckett wrote before he died. And I won't quote the entire section of text where that line comes from because the way it's written it doesn't really make sense when you read it aloud but it's a really extraordinary piece of writing that i think can be approached um, through the lens of zen practice it's a really wonderful piece and i recommend it it's called worst word ho so that line ever tried ever failed try again fail again fail better it's often used as a kind of motivational speech i guess 
um, pick yourself up and try again. It's good advice. It's important advice. But that's not what Beckett is really talking about with that line. Beckett's point is that eventually it all fails. Communication, all of our striving, all of our efforts, they all break down in the face of this perfectly imperfect human reality. The only thing we can do is to be in accord with it. So that's the tragic comedy of the human condition. And my favorite Beckett line is from his novel, The Unnameable. It comes from the very end. He says, I can't go on. I'll go on. <laughs> what else can you do? It's the only game in town, right? Warts and all, man, embracing the failures, embracing the limitations. Those are the things that make us human. Those are the things that we can check in and recognize our inherent beauty. I think, in my own experience, in some ways more directly than any other kind of experience that one can have. Mask off, right? So that's why I say that our failures, these imperfections, at least that we perceive as imperfections, are the real authentic truth in the absurdity of it all. Fail big. Dare to screw up. Fail like crazy. Gracefully, artfully. Big, dumb smile on your face. Cut loose. Be an example. You know? Case in point, I'm up here. <laughs> There's nothing dumber than that. <laughs> so there's no bullshit involved in this human. When you really get down to it, there's nothing, nowhere that we can hide. I mean, we can try. As Shingiroshi likes to say, the Zen wolf will always get you in the end. You're going to come face to face with your own stuff. So embracing that, having no choice but to embrace that, is to be in accord with the fundamental truth of reality, the fundamental truth of our nature. And it's very simple. It's very easy. Just be. Be fully with yourself. Be fully in those mistakes. So how do we do that? Well, the way that our Zen practice teaches us to walk this middle path, not falling into I'm so great or I'm so shitty, this, that, whatever it is, not straying here or there, is through a diligent application of ourselves in Zazen and in our work, whether that's here at the temple. And uh, there's a lot of people here. I don't know whether we'll have uh, Niten Soji temple cleaning later today, but often on Sunday we do whether it's here at the temple or elsewhere in our lives, thoroughly applying ourselves completely to the moment and embracing whatever comes to us and not cutting off anything, not when things start to go around corners and into dark places we would rather not go and not denying those moments where we fail to measure up. Those are the real truthful moments. So to touch on something that Guyun brought up in his talk last month, sensitivity. By being sensitive, first of all, to the conditions in which we find ourselves, the circumstances in which we find ourselves, coming face to face with that moment and looking at it, and again, not turning away, 
That's how we begin to investigate and really find out, see what's going on. We start to notice those moments where maybe there's a little part of ourselves that's aware of the fact that we're not really in it. There's something left over, some place we're not willing to go, some place where our attention is not as it could be. So all of these are pointing towards those moments where we, our practice really begins, or really step into the hard work of practice. And it's not about transcending those moments of, again, I use the word deficiency. You could use a lot of different words there. But by embracing them, it becomes possible to learn from them. So that's the paradox, Shinryu Suzuki's paradox. Perfect just as you are, just as we are, just as I am. Because we have these imperfections, because they're there, then we can apply our attention, cultivate compassion, and work towards a more intimate relationship with whatever is in front of us, with the people who are around us, with ourselves. All of these are profoundly and inextricably interconnected. So, very interesting, this being human. Every single moment in that way is just a teaching moment. When we're really listening, when we're really looking, life is calling out to us and it's gonna point out what's really there. And all we have to do is tune into it and follow through with it. You know, that awkward moment between myself and that individual that I met on the street, it is what it is. Maybe I could have handled the situation better. It wouldn't have been awkward if I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't really remember you. We spent a month together at Daibosatsu Zendo. <laughs> it might have been weird, but you know, so maybe my brain is not functioning. We all know that ha that happens pretty frequently, to me specifically, but to all of us, you know? What's the, what's, what face is there to save, really? If we move past that initial reaction of emotion, of what, what is this person going to think and all of that, it's all just living, man. L-I-V-I-N. You know I had to throw it in there. <laughs> so really, you know, Big dumb smile on your face. I think if you're not, if, when you do this practice, it's not always fun because life is not always fun in games. But when you really look into that, I think you can't help but smile at the absurdity of it all. And I think that makes things a lot easier. You can't help but just laugh at yourself. When you do that, you know, I think that's the kindest thing you can do for another person. It's the kindest thing you can do for yourself. You know, shatter that illusion. Throw away the dream. It has nothing to do with what's really going on. So, a few thoughts, really. Something maybe to keep in mind as we go about our practice today and into the rest of our day and into tomorrow and all the rest of it. How far have I really gone? What is it that I'm not seeing? What am I holding at arm's length in myself that I'm not ready to confront? And what am I treating as more serious than it actually is? What am I treating as more trivial than it actually is? Practice enables us to see around all those corners and go directly into that. And when that happens, 
then everything's laid before us. It's a cool, beautiful serenity. And there's nothing left to do but just, you know, laugh together, be together, work together. It's very, very simple. Nothing to it, really. So if there's anything that I can offer in being up here, well, saying anything really is a terrible mistake, but I'm going to make that mistake. I'm happy to make that mistake because we're all in this together. And the more we see that, the more we welcome that. I think the easier that it gets. The support that we offer one another, the diligence that we offer to this place, to the teachers who brought us this practice and enable us to step into our lives without reservation. You know, all of these moments are creating the scaffolding through which we carry out our practice. So, going forward into the new year, We'll have Zazen morning and evening just about every single day. See a lot of people here. Most people I know, I don't know everybody. I see a lot of people who have been here time and again, really making that effort. I see a few people who maybe you have been around and I just don't know you. Um, maybe you haven't been, but you have the chance to come back and offer yourself. And we will all offer ourselves to you that's how we do it. That's who we are. That's what we are. And just laughing together into the sunset. Never forgetting. This is the real deal. This is the real ordeal. We we'll live our lives with greater kindness. With no reservations. And always looking to see how we can go a little bit further. And when we fall on our faces, we'll pick ourselves up. We'll help each other pick ourselves up, pick up one another, whatever, and carry on. Thanks very much. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.